0: And welcome back. Another edition of the Kevin's Corner podcast. The sound quality, it just feels better. I'm more energized on this Tuesday morning. We're back in studio, folks. We've got a new producer. I love it. I love it. Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Um, I appreciate all of you bearing with me for the last two months where uh, it has just been my um, ugly voice uh, for an hour every single podcast. But. Uh, as promised, pre-COVID, and, and unfortunately it's taken a while, our new producer is here in studio. He is Chris Presley. Chris, I love it. Thanks for thanks for doing this, man.
1: Yeah, Kevin, uh, I got some big shoes to fill, but I'm excited, <laughs> excited to be back in studio, excited to be back working here at MS and ready to roll.
0: So what? I mean, you're going to Barstool in 2021? <laughs> is that it? it is that how it's gonna be?
1: I don't know. I, <laughs> I I've certainly, I certainly, like I said, have big shoes to fill. But, f- but for right now, I'm, I'm certainly just happy to be back in studio, back in somewhat normal of a workflow, and and on this podcast.
0: Same, yeah. It has been. Um, boy, I'm trying to think. The last time I was in here, I guess was was claws with Bowen. So that was about a month mm-hmm. ago. Um, I think our listeners know. Maybe they don't know. I, I guess I haven't really told a lot of people. But my wife and I are expecting on June 10th. So it's kind of been. We've taken quarantine to the nth degree of just making sure that we are, um, you know, staying safe through all of this. Um, But it was a little eerie walking in here, but like a sense of normalcy that I feel like I'm like looking across at you right right now. And like we are back in studio and hopefully this is what we will. This is how we will operate, I guess, with the podcast Um, every week. uh, You know, obviously we will we will take a break for the baby or else um, I I will not be the father of that baby Um, come come mid-June. Uh, but we will stick to our normal off-season routine. Joey Molinaro, obviously, uh, he recommended you right away when all of this um, unfolded. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, did you produced a little bit of his radio show, right? There, or, or, or did some board work? I think our listeners know, but Joey did a college football show last fall with Taylor Tannenbaum from WTHR. And you did something
1: of like that? Correct. The last few weeks there, um, we started to kind of get into a rhythm and then... College football season ended. Hope to take that show into um, the NFL season and and off season and things like that. And the opportunity presented yeah. itself, and off he went. So Joey got real big. Just just a little time there with Joey, but yeah,
0: we're just living in Peasantville over here. <laughs> um, for those are obviously our listeners don't know a whole lot about you. Little little bit of a background. You're a big Tennessee Volunteer fan. I know that, and uh, you are an Indianapolis native, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I am uh, from Noblesville. Went to Garen Catholic. Originally from Tennessee. That's where my allegiance lies. You and from Knoxville? I'm not from Memphis, so it's a way out there. It's, a, it's a, it was a little different. Uh, people kind of questioned how I grew up a Memphis basketball fan and a Tennessee football fan. <laughs> but when I was growing up, they weren't much much of rivals. Um, yeah. Since they they've both picked up both good football programs and basketball programs, Tennessee trying to, trying to climb its way back up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say basketball wise. I remember when they were ranked one and two, um, yeah. Oh seven ish. Yeah. Cal versus Bruce Pearl. I love that action there. Um, well, awesome. Uh, you are a, obviously follow the Colts. Well, you work here in our, in our promotions department, um, for WIBC and head up that. And what else should people know? That's about it.
1: That that's about it. Went to Bellarmine University down in Louisville, Kentucky. Did play-by-play there for four years. Fortunate enough to call D two national championship. I was say,
0: great D two basketball. Yeah, about. moving to
1: D one this year. Are it's, they? Yep.
0: Nice in Ohio Valley Conference.
1: A sun. A sun. Okay. So once nice. everything uh, returns to normal, hopefully right. uh, they get welcomed in.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I know um, University of Southern Indiana, um, they just hired a new coach, and I think they could be moving to uh, D one here shortly. Awesome. Well, um. Great to have you! Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, it's a huge help. I know, uh, especially when we get to Twitter questions, it is a um, it'll be a big relief for me. But um, we'll have a lot of fun over the next uh, few
1: months. Loving it, loving, loving being here. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, big news last week. Yeah, you want to talk about his contract.
0: Yeah, it was. You know, when when I record on Tuesday, basically how these weeks work right now for the Colts is. We're getting Frank Reich or the coordinators every Monday via Zoom. And then when we get to Wednesdays, like tomorrow, and we are recording this on Tuesday morning, we'll have Anthony Walker and Ryan Kelly. Um, so basically the Colts will give you a, a defensive and offensive player each week. And last week it was uh, Hilton and Kenny Moore were the, were the two guys last week. So, um, you know, Hilton is a guy that – I was curious how he'd handle the contract talk because mm-hmm. that is kind of the elephant in the room specifically with him. You know, there are a lot of honestly contract elephants in the room for so many Colts this year. But um he was really candid about saying that he wants to be a Colt for life. He wants to sign one more contract here in Indianapolis and then he wants that to be it. And he will turn 31 in November. He envisions a multi-year deal. He didn't, you know, pinpoint Definitely two years, uh, no more than three. You know, no, no, no. It was like two, three, or four. He kind of threw out there, and on paper, and the thought of that, it makes a lot of sense to me. It does. Having said that, I don't feel like the Colts should hand him that extension here before the twenty twenty season starts. And I, I, I think our listeners know how big of a Ty Hilton fan I am, and how it is, um, the the mantle of great Ryan Grigson moves um, is not a mantle filled with a lot of things. The T.Y. Hilton move is clearly the best move Ryan Grigson made as a general manager. Um, trading back into the third round, I think people forget that. Dwayne Allen was the was the uh, normal third round pick, if you will. And then Grigson traded back into the third round. I think there's some, some debate if he was trading back in for Hilton or not. But neither here nor there, he did pick T.Y. Hilton. Um, You know, late in that third round of the 2012 draft. And the guy has just been an absolute stud, uh, especially where he was drafted. Um, But I think what holds me back with giving Hilton that extension right now, the injury issues we saw last year. And and I guess it dates back to 2018. And I don't want people to sit here and be like, wow, you think T.Y. Hilton's injury prone? No, no, no. I have a question, or at least I have a thought of like, is that body starting to break down at all? Or were the last two years flukes? If you look at Hilton, you know, he missed what? he missed, I think he missed the first game of his NFL career. Drill um, Freeman picked six. Shout out to the Windy City up there in Chicago. Um, Hilton missed a game, I want to say, in 2014, and that was it. He missed two games his first six years in the league. This guy's 5'9", 180, soaking wet, and he I mean, he's barely missing you know any action. But then in 2018 and in 2019, he has been on the injury report, in-season injury report, with four different lower body injuries. Lower body. I mean, we're talking 5'9", a guy built on speed. I was going to say. that. That's what kind of worries me. a little. It's not a concussion or a shoulder, and obviously those things would worry you for other reasons. But, like, whatever. If it's a hand like Paris Campbell had, okay, you know, that might not impact his greatest trait, which is his speed. All of a sudden – it's starting to build for Hilton. It's a quad. It's an ankle. Um, I'm trying to think what else it was. Hamstring. Was it was a calf. I think it was calf last year because that was that was DefCon of like, oh my god, here we go again. Um, so that's why I just want to see him prove it. And I think Hilton kind of gets that. I think he understands that of like, I missed six games last year. I missed two the year before they aren't just going to hand me three-year $45 million, Right. You know, and, and I, I agree with that. Now, if Chris Bauer were to give him that, do I think it's the end of the world? No, but because I do think Hilton has a lot of leverage, and, like, if I'm – I think he's represented by the Cats brothers, I believe. If I'm Tua Hilton, I'm or if I'm his representation, I just walk in there and be like, hey, Chris, um, yeah, your guy's record without my client? One and freaking nine. The Colts are one and nine yeah. without TY Hilton. Yeah. The one win is a home win over the Jags. I mean, holy hell. Like I mean, that's just I would hand or I would, I guess, zoom call and be like, yeah, um, this zoom call doesn't need to last any longer until you want to give me a realistic deal. <laughs> one and nine. Sleep on that. So that that I think is the biggest bargaining chip in the Hilton camp. Um, and it is just kind of like, okay, who's your alpha when he's not on the field? You know, he, he's the guy for you. He's the go-to guy. He's the big play guy for you. He's the one when you don't see him on the field. Last year, the Colts were 1-5 and five without him. How many times did opposing defensive players after games be like, huh, yeah, we just kind of manned him up. We weren't too worried about anybody else beating us. Hilton gives you that dynamic, that element, that that presence on the field. Um. So that would be my, my worry. And I think if he can go out there, play 14 games for you, have 900 yards, I'd probably give him a notable deal. Because similar to the Malik Hooker thing, and you guys have heard my, my, my rant on that, it goes back to the fact of like, okay, if you're going to move on from Hilton, now you're putting on immense pressure on Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. And while I am high on both of those players for different reasons, that's still a lot of pressure, and in today's NFL, I think just having a guy that's been there, done that, in so many critical moments, like a Hilton, it still offers you a smoother passing of the torch of, like, man, Reggie Wayne tore that ACL in 2013, it was like, holy shit, you got to draft Dante Moncrief in the third third round the next year, and you got to have Dante Moncrief being an instant impact guy for you. And there are flashes, but they're... Um, but there just weren't enough for me on that. So, you know, Hilton should be motivated. I mean, this is 2019 season was, um, even when he was on the field, career low in um, yards per game, career low in yards per reception. Obviously, quarterback play had a lot to do with it, but Mm -hmm. think back to that Houston game. I mean, we all watched it Thursday nighter down there in in Houston. Jacoby Brissett puts two balls on the freaking money, on the money for T.Y. Hilton. And Hilton drops both those. So, it, I, I just think, okay, you can have an honest conversation with Chris Ballard. Chris can do this with his representation say, we love him. We, we He's not a diva wideout. I, I, I don't want people to, like, this is a guy that, okay, he called out the offensive line one time in 20-whatever-that-was because Jacoby was sacked 10 times. He should have called him out. Right. I mean, 10 sacks in one game? Shit. But I, I, I just think it's... He goes about his business really well. He's got a great work ethic. I don't. I hardly ever see the dude in social media. Um, but having said all that, again, just an honest conversation of say, all right, just just, just show us that you can get back there, and we will reward you handsomely. But um, we'll see how how it how it all plays out. So I, I, I definitely want to hit on that. I guess just like one one or two last things on, on Hilton. And I think I touched on this maybe, oh boy, this is probably back a couple months ago on the podcast, but an honest conversation that you have to have is the guy is 30 years old, these sorts of wideouts, especially built like Hilton, don't produce in the NFL, or at least haven't in recent years. I looked up the stat, um, last three seasons, four wideouts, only four age 30 or older, have had a 1,000-yard season. Those four wideouts, Julio the freak, Larry Fitzgerald, also a freak, built 6'3", 220, um, Antonio Brown, that was a couple of years ago, uh, a freak in multiple ways, Dennis rodman asked, <laughs> And then lastly, Julian Edelman, who I think we just assume is more of a possession guy. So maybe that that's a question that I have for Hilton. Does he adapt his game at all? Right. Does he become more of 7 for 75? That's never really been his game. You know, his game's kind of like 5 for Mm 110. You know, he hits a couple – which is awesome and is great. And, I mean, obviously you you would take that as well. But that is something that I'll be curious to watch and just watch him potentially in a contract year. This would be the first time. You know, when he had the rookie deal, Grigson extended him the month before the rookie deal was going to end. Um, the month before that season, I should say. So he had his rookie contract as a as a third round pick, four year deal. Gregson extended him and Anthony Costanzo right before the 2015 season started. Um, so Hilton didn't play in a contract year then. Five year extension, you know, of. I think Rosenhaus represented him represented him then.
1: I believe so. Um,
0: so yeah, man, it, it it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I guess there is a hesitancy if I'm Chris Ballard too of extending guys amidst the current situation. And that's a, that's for a different day and, and a different story. But, like, look, we are – um, it's uncertain times from a salary cap standpoint. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Um, is there going to be a reduction in, in, in 2021? And the guys that would be at the expense of that I think would be some of these veterans that you're going to give a whole lot of money to, especially guaranteed money. On the front end of that. So I, I, I might want to be a little bit patient with uh, with all that.
1: And on the guys coming up behind him that they're going to have to give money to. Great point. That
0: is a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, you're talking... I was talking with JMV last week about this. If you were going to rank, like, the top 20 Colts based on how good they are, how much money they make, name recognition, all those things, whatever, you are about to make serious... A serious financial decision on so many of them. I'm trying to think of the ones that you won't. DeForest Buckner, obviously, he's under contract for a while. Kenny Moore. Doy- I guess Jack Doyle, you know, just signed the three-year But, I mean, Rivers, Bursette, Marlon Mack, Hilton, Ryan Kelly, Justin Houston, Danico Autry, Anthony Walker, Xavier Rose. I mean, yeah. Hooker. Like shit. I mean that that's a lot of marquee name. Darius Leonard needs a new extension. You would think next offseason doesn't need it, but deserves it. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think all of it is just gonna be fascinating to watch it unfold because now the Colts are gonna have to start to pay their own, and you know Leonard and and Braden Smith and and you know Quentin Nelson and stuff like that, but then also make some big decisions, in some of these vets as well. Yeah. That's about all I got in Hilton, to be honest with you, man. Um, I, I know it's something that, that people touched on last week. We didn't have a chance to uh, to hit on it, so I wanted to get into that before, uh, before we get into the Twitter sphere.
1: How are those Zoom interviews with the players?
0: They're good, man. Um, I am, uh, I am, I've enjoyed them. Um, You know, Frank Wright gives us a good 20, 25 minutes every Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had coordinators, I guess, last week. But still, I I really appreciate that. Um, Player-wise, I I think the players in a weird way, they look like we got 15 minutes with Hilton. We would never get 15 minutes with him. He's not a big talker. I think they almost look forward to it. It's Mm -hmm. like a change of pace for them. You know, you're you're seeing all these, like – I'm a big golf fan, as, as all of our listeners know. I just listened to a podcast of Rory McIlroy for a full hour. Guys don't have a full hour during the middle of the season. So, I, I think they, they appreciate it, um, just having a little bit of break from the craziness of, of of all of it. So, it's not the same as being in the locker room because, look, we get two players a week, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's it. So And this could be how it is all year long. We'll see how it all unfolds and everything, but... Um, as of now, things will still be virtual for the Colts. Uh, they they spent a lot of time with their rookies. Uh, from a staff standpoint, they they spent a lot of time virtual with the rookie class over the past week week and a half. Uh, but now that 90 man roster is together, and uh, if you missed any of our coverage, we've got a lot of draft centric stuff. I wrote on each draft pick up on the website, um, so uh, check that out if you if you haven't already. Good stuff. All right, man. Let's get into um. Let's get into the old Twitter questions. Uh, I think I sent you a list, and um, we will get back to, for asking for Twitter questions next week, but I still I had a ton left over, so I sent you those. So let's um, let's dive into them.
1: Yeah, a lot of good ones. First, we'll start off with Craig. He uh, wants to know, Much of the NFL seems to be trending towards the more athletic RPO-type quarterback, such as Lamar Jackson. Jacob Eason is more of your prototypical early 2000s quarterback. Are Ballard and Reich missing the trend? in the future of the NFL.
0: Well, Craig, uh it, it's an accurate description and you know, something I talked about leading into the draft. You look at every single young quarterback that's made somewhat of an impact in the NFL as of late, they all have the running element. You know, ver- I mean, especially since like 2017. Lamar, Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, even Josh Allen, you know, all of them have that that ability. But I mean, Let's be honest, the Colts drafted Jacob Eason in the fourth round. I mean, you, you, your hands are, are kind of tied in like, oh, he doesn't fit the ideal blueprint. I mean, if this was their first-round pick or their second-round pick, I probably would have more of an issue with that. I think it's something to acknowledge, though. When Frank Reich has talked about the traits he looks at at the quarterback position, he's never really mentioned athletic ability, off-script plays with his legs as like a very high trait. Ballard has mentioned it, but Reich not as much. So that'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, of a, okay, I mean, yeah, now that I think about it, Trevor Lawrence looked damn fast in in, uh, in those playoff games last year. But like when you look at Justin Fields and, and, and um, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Fields is more of a dual threat or, I mean, Lawrence looks like a guy that's, an Andrew Luck type of athlete as well. So I, I just don't think it's something that means the most to them as well. Um, and I think we also have to remember what what Frank Reich talked about this week, and, and that is Philip Rivers, they feel like he's going to play more than one season. I mean, Reich is adamant about that. But wisely, the Colts didn't give Philip Rivers more than a one-year deal. That was smart. If you're going to tie your hands to Rivers post one year, I would have had an issue with that. But no, you're going to see how it goes, and then if you need to make a huge shift of the quarterback position, you can you can do that. So I mean, can, considering Eason what, what, what was a fourth round pick, I, I don't have that that big of an issue with it. I will say this, Chris, before we, before we move on to the next one, what what concerns me about Eason, and I guess some people will be like, that's not concerning. That means he has room room to grow, and that's fair and I'm going to harp this a lot, is just the lack of game experience he had in college. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked up. There are 12 quarterbacks drafted here in, in 2020. Eason was on the field um, for the second fewest amount of games played of those 12. So doesn't have a lot of experience at all in games compared to the rest of the class. And you can look at it two ways. Plenty of room to grow, but then also... How valuable are those game reps for him? Like, needing more of those game, game reps. Like, if he went back to Washington, he he, he could have gone back. If he right. would have gone back and they win 10 games, is he a top 20 pick? I don't know. You know, Lawrence Fields, Trey Lance, like, dude, obviously there's good quarterbacks coming out next year as well. But that'll be something to watch of, like, can the Colts accurately evaluate and develop him without the game? reps. And if I'm not mistaken, there is another Twitter question that gets into this that um, is a great scenario coming off last week's debate that I had. Alright, what do you got?
1: Uh, Penlord Thorth. When do you expect remaining free agents like Everson Griffin, Jadavion Clowney, Logan Ryan, etc. to sign and do you think the Colts are in the market for adding another difference maker?
0: Boy, what was that name again? Give, give it to me again.
1: Everson Griffin.
0: No, no, no. Who no.
1: Oh, Pen Lord Thor.
0: What, what, what is that?
1: I have no clue.
0: Should I know that?
1: I am not privy on Star Wars. I don't want to jump to conclusions. Joey would know way more. Oh, when. Joey I would. would be
0: all over it. Joey would be like, "How the f- do you not know that? Google that for me." I, I. That's a that's a great name. Um. Okay. Griffin Clowney, Logan Ryan. It, it, it's a good question, and I mean, we're now more than two months into free agency, and those are some big names. Let me see on the board. When I think it comes down to the, the, the lack of hands on medical looks these teams have been able to get on those guys. And I would say more so for Clowney. You know, Griffin, there's a lot to Everson Griffin. I mean there's a there's there I mean there's a lot of just a lot of background you, you gotta look into. And the same thing for Cam Newton, you know, if you're gonna throw him into this mix as well. Um are the Colts still in the market this year? I, I'm going to say no. I, I just think that they, they've always been a team that wants cap space to roll over. You know, they're going to have about 20 million to roll over next year. Um, I mean, Clowny would almost eliminate all of that, or at least a huge chunk of that considering the asking price he wants. And, and Logan Ryan plays a slot, you know, Kenny Moore obviously plays a slot. So I don't think the value matches up with that. So, um, I, I think it could be a little bit longer on some of these guys, but I just don't think the Colts are 100% in the market for them.
1: Gotcha. Couldn't find anything on Pinlord. Lord. Boy. Not sure.
0: We're, we're going to have the YouTube commenters, so will uh,
1: we'll give us something on that. Yeah, let us, let us know. Uh, JJ, he is saying that the Colts have two mantras, build from within and run the damn ball. The defense that they've built was 31st in completion percentage in both 2018 and 19, around 70%. Their defensive style combined with a run-based offense doesn't seem to be a good combination. After two years of ranking 31st against the past, how can the defense improve enough to compensate for a lower production of offensive system?
0: Well, thanks for the question, J.J. Um, It it is a fair question. It's something along those lines is what I asked Frank Reich on Monday. Um, You know, J.J. mentions here the Colts have allowed. It's actually a hair over 70%. In 2018, 2019. I know that's a number that might not resonate with a lot of people. Let me put that in simple terms. That's absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Back-to-back seasons, over 70%. It's never been done in the NFL. And that's not a good thing. Again, this is 70% allowed. Um, It's an issue. It's an issue that we've seen opposing quarterbacks get into rhythms early in games. And all of a sudden... Their confidence goes up, and the girl has said yes to them and talking to them in the first interaction at the bar, and now she's going to come back, and she wants to have another conversation. That, that That's what it is. It's just, it's like, okay, I'm feeling good, and now I can fit that ball into the third and seven window that I didn't think I could fit, you know, fit it. Like, it's um, clearly, um, there's a frustration here uh, that I have, um, So I asked Frank Reich on Monday. I was just like, Frank, you know, defensive scheme, how do you feel like it's evolved? Does it need to evolve more? And Frank, which it's probably the answer I expected, was adamant that this is not a scheme issue and that Matt Eberflus does adapt well. And um, when things, you know, aren't working, uh, the Colts do. Okay, let's go plan B, plan C, plan D. I don't think we've seen enough of it. I don't think the Colts defense dictates enough to opposing offenses. Uh, so that that's why I asked the question of like, you know, because everyone has the, okay, this is what we can install in year one. Um, if the guys accept it really well, maybe we can sprinkle in a little bit more things. Like you, you have natural, like the playbook grows and you have veterans that understand the concepts. And maybe you have a bunch of, Idiots that don't understand it, and you've got to really dumb it down. Like uh, all of that is is coaching one on one. So that was the question. But again, Reich was like adamant: this is not a scheme problem whatsoever. So I guess that means it's a personnel issue. And if that's the case, DeForest Buckner here is the 100-pound gorilla that is on your your shoulders because he's going to impact that timing and the ability to disrupt things. Early on in snaps and muddy the interior of the pocket and all of those things because he's the he's the big move that you made obviously from a secondary standpoint. You know I guess Xavier Rhodes if he can get back to that level he can help you but I just think in general Buckner's got to help you out a ton and I think he can. Rhodes, uh, Rocky Scene make a jump. Marvel Tell make a jump. Kari Willis make a jump. We'll see what type of Malik Hooker that you're going to get as well. Um, but yeah, this is. Uh, this is something that I will be watching for all year long uh, because it is a it has been a huge, huge problem in my eyes. I, I, I don't know why the Colts don't acknowledge it as much as they um, – they it's clearly there on paper um, to me. I know the big plays really pissed them off late last season, but for me it's the – it's just – did we all watch – I mean, we all watch Monday Night Football. Did we not last year against the Saints? I mean <laughs> – Drew Brees, what, one incomplete, oon incompletion, oon, yep. oon. <laughs> I mean, God, I hate to say it, Chris, but the Colts look like the garen Catholic Eagles defense out there on Monday Night Football, you know?
1: That's a jab. Come on.
0: It, it was a jab. We can't all be,
1: I, can't all be cathedral, <laughs> it, okay?
0: Yeah, it was It was a jab. It was uncalled for. <laughs> I would have said the same thing if
1: Joey was sitting there. Uh, Speaking of Joey, we do have a Joey in the Twitter comments who wants wants to know about uh, kind of some personnel. So he was looking at the 2017 draft class and noticed that some players' pre-draft analysis sounds like they were more of a natural fit for Pagano's scheme rather than Reich's, especially on the defensive side. Uh, Wilson, Hooker, Walker, just to name a few. Not saying that Ballard was right or wrong to do so, but do you think he was drafting, at least in part, for the current system in 2017, that would also explain why so many of those players have stuck on NFL rosters despite being poor fits in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, um, Joey, great question. I don't think this is Joey Molinaro, by the way. I think he's got far more important things to worry about than um, in Kevin's corner. But um, we we've talked about this, and <laughs> I will reiterate what I've said a few weeks ago because the abomination of the first four picks that twenty seventeen draft is just it's it, it's incredible. Chris Bauer needed to be selfish. Chris Bauer has got to realize, at that point, I am hired with a whatever, a six-year deal, five-year deal. I I kind of forget what, what it was. I'm the one that has all the leverage. Chuck Pagano's lame duck. Like, <laughs> Chuck Pagano went, you know, obviously he didn't make it through that 28 or 2017 season. and I mean, he should have never coached in 2017. That is an Ursae issue. Right. Just cut ties when you need to cut ties. But Ballard has got to say... All right, I'm obsessed with this 4-3 defense. I envision the indoor speed, all of this. Screw it. I'm drafting guys for my scheme and what I envision the the future of this. I, I And I don't think he honestly sat there and was like, I've got to find Pagano guys. I don't think that was at all what Ballard was, was thinking. He long believed Terrell Basham could be a defensive end. Obviously, Quincy Wilson was hung on for... As long as he did. So um, I think that's something of, to me, what is as shocking about 2017 is just like Quincy Wilson, for example, he didn't fit that character element. And I I just think like that's something Ballard maybe regrets a little bit of like he didn't put that as much in stock. And while, you know, some of these guys have stuck on rosters, Terrell Basham is not. I mean, he's a rotational player for the Jets. And Zach Banner is not starting for for Pittsburgh, so you expect a third round pick, you expect a fourth round pick to be starters. Um, so I, I I just think those were those were misses no matter what scheme they were in, um, and that's why you've had to make up for it since. And and fortunately for the Colts, Chris Ballard took that 2018 draft and hit an absolute grand slam.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little easier to stick on an NFL roster when half of the guys we just send it to the Jets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, the Jets are literally the JV team. Yeah, the Jets play at uh, the Jets play at ten o'clock on Saturday in the two game jamboree, and the Colts are playing you know Friday nights at uh, at seven o'clock.
1: Scotty wants to know. It seems like Paris Campbell has been forgotten since Pittman was drafted. Do you think that Campbell has a shot to be the number two receiver, or does Pittman have the number two spot almost locked? And what do you project the receiver order to be at the start of the season?
0: Yeah, great, great question, Scotty. Um, I have not forgotten about Paris Campbell. We, we've talked about him on this podcast. You know, I, I wrote an article back a month ago about, you know, Naeem Hines and Paris Campbell. They should be licking their chops if Phillip Rivers is coming in the building. Yards after catch, you know, like, well, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they should be thrilled. Um, and I, I'm going to write something again on Campbell. Um. I, you know, to be honest with you, who who cares who the number two is? You know, it's like it's such a just a, just a weird thing to. I feel like it's just kind of it's gone away in the NFL. Like he's the number two, he's the number three. You know, nowadays you got a slot receiver and you got a guy that plays outside, and that's how it's gonna be. Pittman will play outside. Campbell will be more of that 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 slot guy. Um, there will be two wide receiver sets where it's Campbell and Hilton on the field. There will be some two wide receiver sets where it's Pittman and and Hilton on the field. So, um. You know, if I'm making a pecking order, I guess Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, Pascal. But again, very interchangeable. I could see Campbell having more catches than Pittman. I could see Pittman having more catches than, than Campbell. Um, no injury updates specifically on Campbell. He, Reich was asked about it yesterday, and he, he's not really in the giving mood normally with injuries, especially this time of year. I, I assume he's healthy. Um, Foot, hand, hernia, hamstring. A lot of injuries last year for him. Three, three, three surgeries. Right. I think we forget about that as well. Um, Komoko Ture is feeling good. That, that that was a one injury update that Frank Wright gave yesterday, So, um, which is obviously huge. I mean, I've, I've said it before on this podcast, and I will say it again. Komoko Ture and Paris Campbell are two guys that can push the ceiling of this 2020 season way up, mm-hmm. way up.
1: Kevin, who is your favorite active Colt player? Not the most important, your personal favorite, because you know these guys uh, better than most, and this is from Tom.
0: Oh, wow. This is an unusual one. Um, All right, Tom. My favorite Colts player. Uh, Personal favorite. Uh, Well, yeah, it's got to be Jack Doyle. Yeah, and and I know that's probably the easy cop-out, but he's he's, he's the one I know the best. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I went to high school with Jack Doyle, same grade as him, just a tremendous human being, um, genuinely a great human. Like, there's no fluff with the Jack Doyle that the persona that I think our fan base, um, our listenership, and certainly the Colts fan base has gotten to know with him. Your know, Stardom has not gotten to Jack Doyle whatsoever. None. Um, I love the story. I think it's an awesome story as well. Um, so, yeah, he would be the one. I love how Kenny Moore plays the game of football. Um, I guess that's not really personal. I do like and I get this goes off of what Frank Reich was saying yesterday about Ryan Ryan Kelly. I love the bluntness of Ryan Kelly. He is just a no nonsense. Um, tells you how he feels and I and I like those people. Um, so yeah, those would be and, and I know I've not watched this guy play personally very often. I don't know. I've seen him in person maybe two times, three times in his career, but I love the passion of Philip Rivers. I think it's crazy. I, I I love passionate human beings. And uh that dude is um he has psychotic passion. I think that's great.
1: Andrew wants to know Who's your
0: who who's your favorite Colt? Who's you got my it, favorite yeah, Colt? I do agree you got it. with
1: you. I do love the dynamic the dynamic play that Kenny Moore brings. He just plays bigger,
0: you know? I mean if you saw him walking through our building right now you'd be like, "Oh wow, it, you know, there's an intern." You know, he just he doesn't look like an NFL player, but boy, that dude.
1: Dude packs a punch. There were what uh, 2 years ago against the Texans in that playoff game, seeing him in the backfield, I knew oh he was God. making the sack. Like I just knew the sure tackle was coming Literally. and I loved it.
0: He's the best tackler on this football team and he's 5'9" and whatever, is 180. I mean, that is small for a college corner. Right. Hell, that's small for some big high school programs. And yet, the guy just gets it done
1: yeah God, i love him kevin if you were frank Reich and after a three and one start rivers goes down with a season ending injury would you go with jacoby and try and make it to the playoffs or would you throw in throw eason into the fire and evaluate what <laughs> you have in him that is from andrew
0: Boy, Andrew, terrific question. This goes off our debate last week, Chris. Of of I was um I, I said that if Rivers gets hurt, I'm ready for um, Jacob Eason, and I know some people would strongly disagree with that. Um, Andrew's scenario really puts me in a corner here. Okay, so he says three and one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: three and one in a season-ending injury. Season-ending. That's good. All right. That might change some things for me, you know. I mean, if you start three and one and you turn to Eason over and let me be be abundantly clear here, the Colts would never turn to Jacob Eason after a three and one start. Never. And they probably shouldn't, because when you're three and one, how can you do that to your fan base, I guess? My my fear is this, okay? Bursett takes over under that scenario. Let's say the Colts go. What do they got? 12 games left. Let's say they go uh they go five and seven. You're an eight and eight football team. You don't make the playoffs. Phillip Rivers just had a season ending injury at the age of 38. Jacoby Brissett looks like Jacoby Brissett. And Jacob Eason has sat there and worn an earpiece and held a clipboard for 12 games. That would be my fear. Maybe that's pessimistic. Maybe I'm a little rubbing the. Mother Cleo, you know, genie ball here and trying to break the future. But is that a waste? I mean, what do you do then? You bring back Rivers after a season ending in? Does Rivers want to play anymore? Jacoby Bursette, uh, is he finally done? Have you seen enough now? And then Jacob Eason doesn't take a snap. So what the hell, I mean, how the hell do you evaluate him?
1: The nice part, if you do go with Eason, if we are going with this 3 and one scenario, you got Browns, Bengals, Lions as his first three games.
0: Good call. Good call. I mean, trust me, I, if I were running the operation, I'd look long and hard at, at, at Jacob Eason. I know you can't do that to your fan base, and I probably wouldn't do it, but that would be my fear. And my, my mindset sounds a little tankish, and given the pandemic and everything, teams can't tank. There should be no tanking allowed for 365 days in every professional sport. I'm sorry. No one can tank. We all have to play hard. Great effort. Try to win. You play to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> boy, that's uh that's a good one. I Andrew, to answer your question, I'd probably go with Jacoby Brissett. It would be very reluctant. And in all seriousness, I guess I just have this thinking of like there has to be a little bit of a long term view in my mind. And I just don't see Jacoby Brissett being this team starting quarterback for five to ten years and the Colts sustaining a high-level amount of success. I don't know if Jacob Beeson can do that. The odds are probably not great, and I will have a Jacob Beeson film uh, breakdown up on the website, I think, next week, and we'll probably touch on that on, on, on next week's pod. But um, the only, the only way to find out is to throw him in the fire. You make an evaluation? Okay. Um, He was horrible. He's horrible. Let's move on, or he can be our backup, whatever. Great question, Andrew. Top top five question in the history of the podcast.
1: So, Kevin, you're saying, hey, NFL, while you're at it, if a team doesn't tank, they get to move their fourth-round pick up three to six spots. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> Do not get me started on that. I am – yeah. Uh, the Rooney rule is an issue. The last thing we need whatsoever is, um, is um, bribing owners to correct their own problem. B- bribe them. Uh, you have a problem. Let's bribe you to try and correct that problem. No. Why yeah. would – Why would the Steelers fire Mike Tomlin? Why would the Patriots fire Belichick? And then they're going to get jumped because a team has just made a switch of, no. The Rooney rule is a clear issue. Uh, Throw that idea out the window and figure out something else. Terrible.
1: We have a Texas Colts fan who has a question. Kevin, do you think it's possible that the Colts will let Mack walk in the offseason and re-sign Wilkins instead? Hmm. He'd be a lot cheaper and averages great numbers with his touches.
0: Yeah, Definitely cheaper. Um, But I think what you have to acknowledge here, Chris, is what's your philosophy on running backs? Are you signing any to a second contract? I mean, yes, Wilkins has less tread on the tires. I also think without looking it up, don't quote me on this, but Jordan Wilkins is at least a full year older than than Marlon Mack. And I know that might be nitpicky for some people, but like a year and a half for a running back, I mean, that's 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 a lot. So um What what I do like about the idea of maybe running back with Wilkins is to me, he's more of the first and second down mix. You know, Hines is kind of this Naeem Hines is on his own little island. You know, he's just a third down and, and he just does his thing then. Wilkins would be your first or second down or first or second down guy. Sorry. Pandemic's <laughs> getting to me. Um But I wouldn't look at Wilkins and be like, you bring him back, and without question, he's your bell, you know, half bell cow with Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, Taylor would take on the lead role. But, um, you know, John, J- Jordan Wilkins kind of had a little bit of an ankle issue, and I, I would still look at uh, probably drafting running back in the fourth or fifth round, to be honest with you.
1: Brian wants to know, uh, how do you see the cornerback and safety scenarios playing out this season?
0: Uh, corner, well, Kenny Moore's not shouldn't come off the field, and that includes base. So if you go off your base defense and you only have two corners out there, to me the question is Rocky or Xavier Rhodes. That'll be a good debate. That'll be fun to watch. And then and then when you go to Nickel and you have three corners on the field, obviously, I would think those three would be out there. Maybe Marvell Tell pushes. Um, and I I still like Tell. Safety-wise, I assume it'll be Molly Cooker and Kari Will start. You know, Julian Blackman's coming off the ACL and George Odom will be a key sub package guy. But uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of I mean, a little bit of curiosity and maybe how some of those DBs will play this season, but I don't think there'll be like a a ton of like open competition, sort of stuff.
1: Got a question from a Georgia fan down in, uh, or a Bulldog fan down in Georgia who loves the podcast. Love has an over under question for you. Offense thirty points per game, defense twenty points per game.
0: Damn, thirty points per game is a, a
1: ton. That is a lot.
0: I don't, I don't like. I'm sure the Chiefs are over thirty, but. I can't imagine anyone else was over thirty last year, um, so I'm hammering the under there. I I would be, and I, and I'll have to look this up, but I I'm willing to bet that even those Colts teams with Peyton, mm, I I bet I bet it's been at least ten, if not fifteen years, since the Colts averaged thirty points per game. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk like the 09, 07, 5 teams. Averaged over 30. 30 is a ton. It's a lot of points. A lot of points per game. And under 20? Boy, does that happen in Indianapolis? Um, I do think there are more teams that, that that average under 20 a game. I will say, um, but it has to have been a while here in Indy. I'll say a little bit over. J- just barely. I think they will be under 30, and I don't think it will be that close to 30. But I will say maybe 22-ish range, and I'd, I'd sign up for that. Right now, on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, Joseph, thanks for the question. And hopefully, for your sake, uh, your boy makes a team. Rex Specs, Blankenship. Gabo's good.
1: Gabo has a question, uh, going back to the beginning of the show, talking about T.Y. Hilton. Do you think this wide receiver group is deep enough and good enough to succeed if T.Y. does in fact go down again?
0: Oh, Gabo, terrific question. Great question. I mean, um, You know, Chris, if we're going to make a uh, 10 questions of the Colts season 2020, I'm sure we'll do that at some point. That's on there. You know, this team has crumbled without T.Y. Hilton on the field. Are you better suited? Yes, than you were last year, certainly. But, again, we're still putting pressure on Michael Pittman as a rookie. Mm. Like, I I don't want to lose sight of I had someone DM me, like, I think Michael Pittman will have 1,100 yards and uh, seven touchdowns uh, as a rookie. So just out of curiosity, when I first saw that, I'm like, that seems like a lot. I looked it up; it's been done, I think, four times in NFL history. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, rookie wideouts—they just don't come into the league and are. And Ballard has mentioned this; it, it takes a little bit. It's—it's it's no guarantee. I know we had some guys last year that, you know, really impacted their teams, but those are kind of the outliers. Now you feel like Pittman has a collegiate resume that can make you. Um, you know, do something. Um, so yeah, I I I feel good. I would have liked to have done one more thing in free agency. I would like to have made one more significant move at wideout in free agency, and then I would I, I would feel better about this. But uh, this this is a this, that's a great question. Great question.
1: John has a two parter for you. Do you think we will have two one thousand yard rushers this season, and will Mac be with us next year, or? Will he want to be paid?
0: Uh, no, on the thousand yard rushers. I don't think it's been done in a decade, I believe. Um, Carolina Panthers, I think it was the last time. D'Angelo Williams, Memphis, right? D'Angelo, yep. Williams, D'Angelo Memphis. Williams, Memphis. And yep. then uh, Jonathan Stewart, who I think is a duck, if I'm not mistaken. Oregon duck. Yep. Um so yeah, I'm gonna say no. It's just you know, I, I I'm not I'm not betting on that. You know, it's just it's just not worth a bet via health. I mean you need those guys to stay healthy. I could see them being close, you know, both over 700, both over 800. And I'm going to say no on Mack. I I think this is it for Marlon Mack. I think he'll want to be a lead back somewhere. I think he'll get a better deal. And Running backs, second second contracts mean everything to virtually um, every professional athlete, as they should. But to running backs, they mean 10 times more. So um, that's how I look at it.
1: Well, to have good running back play obviously a good offensive line that's where our next question comes into play with insane fishermen do you see the colts going after any veterans before any veterans that are cut before the before june 1st if so what positions he believes the offensive line depth is the biggest need
0: you uh you uh fish
1: i'm not a big fisherman yeah neither I am can't, I I've tried it's okay
0: it's it's um now I love golf and people be like golf's boring as hell
1: I think fishing's boring i do too I, th- I would love to go deep-sea fishing because mm-hmm. that would be different. Right, but just standing right, right, off right, the right. edge of a dock, it's just not for me. Yeah,
0: it just it just doesn't do me. Um, all right, Insane Fisherman, do you see the clothes going after any veterans? Uh, maybe a couple, maybe. But, again, I go back to what I said earlier, like physicals and visits. It's a big part of um, why some of these veterans are still in the open market. And until you get your hands on them, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, – to really dive into them. Uh positions that I think of need, I would agree wholeheartedly with offensive line depth. Uh, maybe defensive end, although you have some quantity there. I, I still think tight end is a position. If if Trey Burton doesn't isn't healthy, hello. Um wideout corner. Those would be a couple other positions I'd have on on my mind.
1: All right. Moving over to a question from Garrett. This is a, a long one and but a good one I think. Um, so he thinks one of the biggest things that Jacoby Brissett is touted on is his leadership that he brings to the locker room. He also thinks it's a great trait that has monetary value, but that being said, Rivers is also touted to be a great locker room leadership presence. Do we really need two locker room leadership presence coming from the quarterback position? A few years ago, Garrett would have said yes, but now that we are riddled, now that we have riddled leadership through every position group, he believes that we should cut the man and save the money.
0: Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, as you'll know, Chris, our, our, um, our questions are typically not the most grammatically correct. So I, I, I apologize for sending some of these to you, but we just kind of, we just kind of rolled it. Um, Garrett, again, thank you for the question. Fair question. Um, leadership. Yes. But I, I, I think more so than that, the Colts just look at it as they put a ton of value into having a stable backup. Like, I, I think it's more of like we believe in that position so much of like Frank Reich in Philadelphia. When you know, Wentz goes down, they're still able to steer the ship in the right direction. Now, having said that, again, this guy is it's a 21 million dollar cap hit to wear an earpiece and, and hold a Microsoft office or surface, whatever the hell the NFL yeah. sponsored by. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, that's what it is. I mean, Philip Rivers hasn't missed a start since you know. I was a, I was a clay junior high at 224 straight games. Like, so I, I, um, I, I hear you out whatsoever. And that will be, I think one of the bigger gripes of this season of like, if river stays healthy and the Colts go eight and eight, it'll be, you sat there and you had money. You could have gotten, you could have created more cap space, improved your team elsewhere, but you decided to stay with Jacoby Brissett as your backup. Um, and again, I, I, I've i mentioned it several times this offseason, the cap hit is absurd. Let me let me actually look this up. Um, it shouldn't take me too long. Um, of course, as I do that, I go into my Gmail and start deleting emails like an idiot. <laughs> it's just... Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that, you know, Bursett, Rivers, Buckner, cap hits, all in the top 20. Okay, here are, I'm going to rattle off the 20 names in the NFL that have the, the highest cap hits, okay? Dak, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Khalil Mack, Jimmy Garoppolo, Von Miller, Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Phillip Rivers. Fletcher Cox, Big Ben, Drew Brees, DeForest Buckner, Tannehill, Demarcus Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Trent Brown, Alex Smith, Jacoby Bursett. I mean, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm sorry, like. Julio Jones, Chandler Jones, Kirk Cousins—they all have less cap hits than Jacoby Versailles. It's just kind of like what? How?
1: Matt Ryan, you like, know. Yeah.
0: It's just Tyreek Hill. I mean, wow, Costanzo's up there as well, thirty-eight. Um, so yeah, it's just it—it's it, it, not ideal. It's not ideal whatsoever, Garrett. Um, if you were going to make a move, you would have made it earlier in the off season. You know, at, at, at this point, opening up the cap space—it's only a one-year thing. So that is the good news about it, but. Yeah, I understand the
1: frustration, Garrett. I understand it. Staying in the quarterback room, Big John wants to know, is the starting quarterback for the 2022 season currently on the Colts roster?
0: Give that to me again, 2022? 2022. Big John, that's a good one. Um, Man, that's a good one. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think they do something drastic in next year's draft. I do. Yeah. I'll go with that. But I mean it'll take a whole lot of draft capital to move up, you know, if you go up 10 and 6 or whatever people um people think that the Colts will go this year. So um so yeah. Man, that's a good one. That might keep me up tonight.
1: Rusty wants to know about the special teams unit. Who is your best guess on Rigoberto's personal protector on punts? Glasgow, or is it Gathers, like Gathers in the past?
0: Wow, Rusty. Oh, man. You talk about deep questions we get on Kevin's Corner. Holy shnikes. Um, this is a question that, you know, when the gates open, the two fans sitting up top row of Section 673, <laughs> you know, this is what they're debating about while the uh, uh, the Junior Blue and the Colts Junior Cheerleaders are out performing at, you know, 11:15 a.m. or whenever the gates open. Wow, um, that's random. Glasgow, sure. Why not? Uh, Who else would I throw in there? EJ Speed, maybe? Kari Willis? I mean, Clay- if Clayton Gethers was your guy, and I think he was the guy in the past. I know Matthias Farley was as well. You Maybe you have a safety back there. Kari, I- maybe, I don't know. He might mean too much to you. What about Jordan Wilkins? You know, if he's going to make this team, mm-hmm. I think he's got to be a good special teamer for you. So, Rusty, great question. I'm going to guess seven people in the world care about it, but I'm one of them, so thank you for it, Rusty.
1: Tim wants to know, uh, a little pessimistic here, but do you see Hines lining up in the backfield at all this year, or will he play in the slot all season when Paris Campbell is out for most of it?
0: Oh, gosh, Tim. Come on now. Tim. <laughs> Jeez. Um, you know, I think Hines will be in the backfield a, a little bit, but, you know, and, and right talked about this yesterday. You know, Hines is going to be, he he thinks he's going to catch 10 balls in a game this season. And I, I know a lot of people, and especially the fantasy people, it's crazy how many fantasy people are out there and they just phew, vulture onto this content. Um, 10 catches in a game is a lot, but he had 9 twice in 2018. I didn't realize that. I guess I kind of forgot about that. Um, And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I posted this in an article on 107.5 The Fan. But it's something to the effect of like this. Hines had one game, I want to say, last season where he had more than five catches in a game. In 2018, I think he had four games. So you hear about how much they talk about Phillip Rivers looking for checkdowns, and obviously Luck did a great job of that in 2018 when he came back from the Netherlands and knew that he had to start checking it down more. Um. I could see Hines, you know, PPR action. You know, if you're in a deep league, might be a decent pickup for you.
1: Is he the the new those new Sproles for Philip Rivers? Yeah,
0: you know the new, and that's high high praise, obviously. But yes, I think he's the new third down back. You know, they have not hesitated from that at all. Um, And I and I I'm excited to see. And even Hines, another one of my favorite people. Uh, Go back to that question. Tremendous dude. I don't say that just because he plays golf but I think he's a great great (laughs) individual
1: Uh, Misa is a California Colts fan she is hoping to come to the Green Bay game this year if everything in terms of the season starts on time I love it she wants to know if there's anything for a first-time visitor to Indiana and Lucas Oil Stadium that she should do
0: oh I love it and feel free to chime in on this one here Chris um well I mean let's promote us are we still doing Georgia Street this year hopefully
1: we're hoping to yeah
0: hopefully okay um for those that don't know, explain a little bit about what goes on Georgia Street pregame. So
1: Georgia Street, we have Bud Light Tailgates on Georgia Street. Those are normally four hours long, uh, four hours preceding kickoff and three dollar sixteen ounce Bud Lights, food vendors, all sorts of stuff, DJs. It's awesome. Just a just a good a good time as you're walking towards the stadium.
0: Yeah, Georgia Street's a little bit north of the stadium. Um all the hotels that you'd probably be staying at are probably north of there, so it's mm-hmm. perfect. You know, you you just walk right right past it. Um, yeah, I think that's a great spot. I I think Slippery Noodle is always a good spot pregame. That's where we were going to do um, beers with Bowen before before that changed. Um, you know, I, I think Touchdown Town is 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 a cool place. You know, as you're walking towards the stadium as well. Uh, obviously, Mass Ave is an area that I um that I think is a, is a great spot if you come in on Friday or Saturday night late November. I, who knows what the hell the NBA will look like then? But I mean, if the Pacers are playing, Banker's Life is a must to uh, to cross off the list. I think that's when that game is late, late November. Colts Packers. Um, I did see right now that they're, they're going to close, or they're thinking about closing Mass Ave from College to uh, to Delaware, and then closing Broad Ripple Ave as well to let some of these restaurants, you know, seat patrons, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's so it's Augusta National for me to say that to sit there. Um. <laughs> sit their customers outside, which, again, these are very walkable streets. It makes a lot of sense, a lot of retail and uh, and food places up and down those streets. So, uh, boy, I I really hope you know, we, we don't need to get into the whole fan debate at games this year. But, man, there's just something about the environment. I just love fans. I'd be watching that last dance. I love that psycho lady. What was her name? Pacers lady, she was on D- with Dan the other day. Uh, Mary, she's, a, she's Kathy
1: Martin. They, they, yeah, Karen. last name Martin. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Kathy, I think it is Kathy
1: Martin or something. Martin Thompson. I, believe she I just
0: lo- like she was psychotic, and I love it. I yeah. love it. I mean, that is what's that. Honestly, that picture is what I. That's probably top three reasons why I miss sports so much. Yeah, passionate individuals that go crazy, and they're watching these entertainers, and they can just yell and scream and have fun and. Not worry about everything that life throws at us on a daily basis. I love that. That was awesome. If you missed it, Dan had on the Crazy Pacers Lady. Check that out. That was awesome.
1: Brett says that Joey Molinaro has got to come back for a cameo the week that the Colts play Pittsburgh, correct?
0: Oh, yeah. That's a no-brainer, Brett. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's late in the year. That's like uh, That's like Christmas time which Joey loves Christmas so it'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. I think it's week 16 if I'm if I'm not not mistaken on that. So um Yeah, did you see Colts preseason schedule came out?
1: I did see a little the, bit of dates it. Dates
0: and times. Um what's today? Now the Colts are playing on Monday Night Football the day after the race. Love so, it. Indy 500 the 23rd, Monday night. Um just another scheduling gripe, and you guys have heard me rant enough, so I won't rant anymore about this. The Colts, okay, weeks two and three in the preseason. That's when you play your starters the most. The Colts play two games in five days, weeks two and three. I mean, holy hell. I mean, yeah. like, what are we doing here, NFL? I mean, come on. And they're traveling as well. Like, it's just. So, yeah, they play. I think they play the Eagles at home on Thursday the 13th. I want... Do yep. you have in
1: front of you? Yep. Go ahead. Rattle it off for us. The Eagles at home, uh, game one. On the 13th. Which the, is a Thursday. The 24th, the Redskins come to town. On the 29th, the Colts go to Bills Mafia.
0: And that's a Saturday. Saturday afternoon, right?
1: Eight twenty nine. 29. I
0: think it's a four o'clocker. Which honestly, four o'clock, yes, I believe, four was. Four o'clock uh,
1: on a Saturday.
0: Saturday, the 29th. That was kind of week three of the preseason. That was when Luck said, I'm going to retire.
1: That's about the latest they give games to Buffalo because. Those people start at 7 a.m. regardless. Yeah, oh, so, uh, and then of course we always close with the Bengals. That night is night. on the third. Yeah. Thursday, down in Cincinnati.
0: Thursday nighter. Um, so yeah, a lot of weekday games during yeah. the preseason for the Colts. Um, don't know if the wife will be happy about that, but we'll see. <laughs> um, actually she, she, she should be because then the weekends are freer. Um, okay. Yeah. Brett, Joey Molinaro is definitely coming back.
1: What do we got? We got, we got a couple more here. We do. Andrew, uh, he is a long-time listener. Oh, I love it. I love it. Do you think uh, – he wants to know how do you think Ben Banigu will do this year? Um, can he become the next Ture? Uh Ture was rated by PFF as a top-five edge rusher when healthy, and that is his only worry this season when we are putting a lot of stock into guys that have injury concerns, Ture, Hilton, etc.
0: You know, Banigu is a guy I feel like that we kind of forget about. You know, he's a second-round pick. Um Colts had high, high hopes for him, and just, you know, when I watch Banigu, I, I, I think there is a, um, I don't think he's got the pop like Ture, Ture Flat. I mean, Ture's like whoo, bolt mm-hmm. of lightning. You know, I, I tweeted out yesterday, Ture's your fastball. Banigu might have more pitches, but like, does he have enough of just the sick curve or the ninety nine that can paint both corners to be a dominant rusher? I don't. I, I don't know that yet. But he could be a three down guy for you. That's kind in of, it's very premature for me to say that, but I could see like could he grow into Jabal Sheard one day? Because you're gonna need that. Justin Houston's in a contract year. Um Bandigo needs to be a difference maker though. And he can be a difference maker as a three down guy, and you don't need to have ten sacks a year. You can have six sacks but play seventy percent of the snaps and still be a guy. So um this is a big year for Bandigo, and I think it'll really impact how you handle Justin Houston moving forward. You know, Banigou had great testing numbers when he came out of TCU. You know, very athletic. But, again, one year, I just didn't see that as much. Didn't see that. Uh, probably a little bit more um, polished than Turay from a fundamental standpoint. I know he made the position switch, but um, those two guys are huge. You know, I mean, huge, 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 huge.
1: Final Twitter question of the week. Irvin, who's a big fan of the podcast, wants to know over or Irvin. under eleven wins for the Colts this season.
0: Oh wow, that's a high number. You a gambler, Irvin. I I don't love throwing just a flat number though. I want to I want a hook? ten and a half or eleven and a half. Yeah. And you're a gambler. You are as well. Um, did you see the Fanduel promo they had last week? Colts odd, odds boost. Did you, did you see that at all?
1: Was that the one for 11 wins? Four, uh, at, least 11, at least 11. 11 or yeah. more,
0: plus 420. Yeah. I tweeted it out and I had some people just all over, which plus 420, those are some great odds, right. man. Um, you know, I will set the over. on what, what's. I mean, I feel like Vegas is legit over under. You mind looking that up? See if you can find that. I mean, over under 11 wins, that's so high. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm not. The odds are just terrible. I'm not going to go over there.
1: So based on Sports Illustrated's from May 7th, they have the Colts over under at 8.5. Oh, I would say over. I'd go over yeah, that. I'd say over.
0: I, I, I would think when we get to week one, Vegas will set it about
1: 9.5. Um, Action Network, which is more of a gambling site, has the over under at 9.
0: Why, why don't they do these halves? I mean, I guess that's part of the game. I mean, I th- most of the of other them.
1: ones do have the hook. This one... Yeah, this one doesn't. Colts flat at nine. The
0: hook. Look at you. You're a veteran. You're you veteran I've lost gambling. my fair share. <laughs> <laughs> I lost twenty bucks. I, I I bet on the match this weekend. Ricky Fowler and all those guys. I I thought one of them would make an eagle. Yeah. Just need one eagle and I win more than the money I'm betting. But yeah, all those, uh, those terrible golfers. Um, yeah, I'm gonna set the over under at nine and a half. I I will go under. Irvin, your your over under of eleven wins. I'll, I'll say ten right now. Um, as you guys know full well, I never commit to a hard set in stone win total until I see training camp in the preseason. I will do the same. I actually think the schedule, I know some people are like sending me these analytics of like, Colts have the easiest schedule in the league. I guess I don't look at it and think it's like that easy. I don't look at the schedule and be like, that's the 32nd schedule in the league. I I don't know. I don't know. But make no bones about it. The Colts internally, they think this is, they think, I mean... They've said it. They, they've honestly said it publicly. Rivers hasn't lost a step. DeForest Buckner was a no-brainer. They think double-digit wins, no questions asked. And as we mentioned on the podcast, it is time. It's time. Year four for Chris Ballard. year three for Frank Reich. Seven teams make the playoffs now. That's nearly half the conference. Like, it, it is time to get back to being a postseason team, to being a perennial contender. And, yes, it will look different at quarterback um, over the next decade, but... Philip Rivers has got us started for you.
1: All right, Kevin. That's all we got, Twitter, Twitter question wise.
0: Nice. That was uh that, that was a good little group of questions. Like I said, next week we'll get back into asking for questions and um we will um we will continue once a week for uh for the rest of the offseason and take a little break for baby Bowen to be born. We have a we have a boy name and a girl name finalized. So we're good on that front. A little bit of debate more so on the girl name. Boy name. Um I think there was a consensus on it. So uh we are settled there, and and uh, just shout out to my wife, Maddie Bone has been unbelievable. I mean, I I couldn't carry I couldn't carry a baby, no chance in hell. She is if if Tiger Woods, Usain Bolt, MJ, uh, Phelps, all of them combined that 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 has been Maddie Bowen. She's been unbelievable, so uh, healthy, and uh, hopefully that will continue here over the next few weeks, man. You got anything coming up for the Memorial Day holiday or anything?
1: I don't. Typically, we're busy with all the race coverage and stuff like that, so it feels very weird that. Even Dude, though this is May, so to weird. not have any sort of race stuff going on right now, this is typically, especially on the WIBC side, our busiest month since you know the flagship of, of carrying yeah. the race. Still, we'll have race programming on both 107.5 The Fan and 93 WIBC this weekend, but we will no. good, yeah. But
0: are we re airing old races or something?
1: The Fan will be re airing old races. WIBC from noon until six will be doing a Heroes of the 500 and 560, so some some special program features with some of the, the legends of racing.
0: I love it. I love it, man. Well, I enjoyed it. Um, hope you guys did as well. Fun to be back in studio. Fun to uh, have have Chris on and he will be joining us. Uh, go ahead and, and um, drop your little Twitter handle.
1: It is underscore Chris Presley. Kept it fairly simple. Underscore Chris. Chris underscore Presley or underscore? Underscore Chris Presley. Got it, got it, got it, got it.
0: Awesome. We will, um, I'll, I'll tag you in that when we um, when um, Oh, yeah, beautiful skyline background there. Um, I'll tag you in that when we tweet this out. So thank you all for listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy the extended weekend, and we'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner.